Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect, for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the Bread of Life. Let us seek Him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We'll be looking at the life of Elijah today and a move that God made to hide Elijah away from the people of Israel just during the time in which the people were experiencing an outpouring of God's judgment on their land in the form of a drought. There's much to learn from this account, but first we'll review the messages shared over the last three broadcasts. Hopefully, a succinct recounting of what we learned will do more in a few minutes to direct us into truth than the protracted considerations we've had over the last few days. Hopefully, that is. Let's find out. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. My youngest daughter is not here uh, this Sunday morning, but she was here last Sunday. And so Sunday afternoon, I actually said to her, Honey, I want to apologize to you. I don't think I really shared the message this morning very clearly. I didn't make the points clear as I wanted to make them clear. And so I I want to share with you the points of the message of last week's sermon again. And I'm going to do it with you as I shared with her. I think I can do it within just a couple minutes. Now, that's part of the reason. I knew I could do it in a couple minutes, but I thought you might be disappointed. Well, maybe you wouldn't be disappointed. I didn't want you to get used to me speaking for only a couple minutes. So I'm sure you wouldn't have been disappointed. But Here's the point I said. There was this church that God gave birth to in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and for the first 300 years, this little church was persecuted day in and day out. And yet, during the time of that, its weakness and its infancy, while it was persecuted, it began to have an expanding voice to the world. It began to express and expand its message to the world with greater and greater and greater authority, until eventually it changed, in a sense, the whole scope of the world in which it lived. And yet today, we live in a society where you can find churches in every neighborhood, and we own television stations and radio stations, and we have all kinds, we have whole industries developed around our message, and yet we're discovering in our world, we're having less and less of an impact through our message. We're losing the moral authority that we should want to have that God gives to his people. And you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, have been called to bear a message to the world, and you want to have authority and power in that message like that early church had, and you don't want to be irrelevant as oftentimes it seems like the church is today. And we learn how this happens from the life of Elijah, because here was Elijah, he was this little hillbilly who came out of the mountains of Ephraim and went before Ahab, the king of Israel, and yet he spoke with great confidence and assurance and with moral power 
that shook the nation of Israel. And the question is, how was he able to do it? And the answer is very simple. He listened to God and he obeyed him. You're not going to have authority and power with your life and with the words that you bring to others if you're not living under the power and authority of God himself. Elijah listened and obeyed God. And as he listened and obeyed God, what happened was, growing around his life were three other things that began to flow into his life from that obedience, from listening to God and obeying God. And as he did that, three other things began to build up in his life that actually gave greater power to his word and his message in his life before others. And the first thing was this. He began to realize that God was relevant. That God was relevant. That God began to impose himself on every area of his life. You know, you've got friends that think that God is not relevant for their life. That the only things that are relevant are the people that they communicate with through social media or what they feel or what they want or what they desire or what they're going through. But what Elijah began to realize was as he listened and obeyed God, that God began to impose himself on every area of life And God was increasingly relevant. And so Elijah comes before Ahab and says, the Lord God of Israel lives. He's alive and he's relevant. The second thing that happened was, as he obeyed God, listened to God and obeyed him, he increasingly felt a sense of God's ownership over his life. As if God had put his stamp on his life and he wanted to respond to God and be obedient to God because he knew that God had the significant claim on how he lived. And not only did he feel God claiming every area of his life, he began to see that God had the right to claim himself as the owner of everyone else's life as well and the people that he went to speak to. And he became jealous that those people would give to God what belonged to God themselves. And so he says, the Lord God of Israel lives. He's your God as well as my God. And then the third thing was this. As he began to obey and listen to God and see that God was relevant everywhere and that God had ownership claims over everything, he began to see and feel that God was present at all times. In fact, he became more impressed by the presence of God in his life than anything else. He wasn't swayed by the power of Ahab. He wasn't as drawn to give in to the appeal of the crowd or whatever the nation thought was the thing to give in to and the demands they put upon his life. There was one person, one thing, that he was aware of above everything else, and that's that, that God was present. Everywhere he went, he found God. So he says, the Lord God of Israel lives. And he said this to King Ahab, before whom I stand. So listen, honey. When you listen to God and you obey him, God will begin to fill your life with authority, and he'll increase that authority because you'll see that God is relevant to every area of life. You'll see that God claims ownership of everything, and you'll see that God is present everywhere. You obey God's voice, you'll find he's relevant everywhere, the owner of everyone, and present in every place. And this will give power to your life and your words so that you can stand before people and not back down, but speak and live with confidence. And we need that in our day and age because people need to hear God's message in a very confusing world today. With all that in mind now, There's another reason why we need to listen to what God says and we need to obey what God commands. And that's what we'll look at this morning. It's this. Here's the simple reason we need to listen and obey to God. It's not simply because of the authority of our message and the authority and the confidence that God gives us in the life we should want to live and He's commanded us to live. But it's also simply because of this. Because God keeps His word. 
God doesn't have a bunch of empty words that he puts out there that he's trying to flatter us with or impress us with. When God says something, God is telling us who he is and God's telling us what he will do as we respond to his word. God keeps his word. The Bible says God is not mocked. You can't think that you can turn away from what God says and you can turn aside from what his commands are and what he has called for us to do and expect to get away with it. You obey him, you follow him because God keeps his word. What God promises, God fulfills. Those who follow him, those who obey him, those who yield to him, his promises bring to us certain blessings that we can confidently hope for. As a little boy, we had a little plaque in our house. Our, one of my sisters went and had that plaque that my parents had in their house repeated so that all of us kids have it. The little plaque says, the future is as bright as the promises of God. But God says he keeps, and he holds out a wonderful and blessed future to those who yield themselves up to his word and to his promises. But to those who deny him and disobey him and wander away from him and defy his will and his purpose, his promises bring about not certain blessings, but certain curses. God says there's an outcome to our responses or our lack of response to his word. And that's a part of our message as well that we bring to others. A part of our message is this. God has spoken, and you need to listen. And if you don't, you're kicking against the supreme authority of the universe, and you can't do that and not have God and his universe kick back at you. In other words, if you don't listen and you don't obey God, you'll find yourself finally suffering the consequences of defying your maker and the universe that he's put you in. And by the way, that's the regular warning of the prophets that they brought to the nation of Israel over and over and over again. It's basically this, God keeps his word, so watch out. If you repent, he'll keep his word to forgive you and cleanse you and wash you and receive you. If you won't, if you continue in your obstinate desire to pursue your own way and your own designs, you'll bring destruction upon your life. If you turn to him, you'll begin to sow your life into a ground that is fertile and a ground that will bring up the harvest of reward and blessing. But if you resist him and you harden your heart from him, you'll sow into your life, you'll sow into a ground that will bring up the fruit of disaster and difficulty and challenges. In fact, let me read you a few passages along these lines from Hosea. In Hosea chapter 8, verse 6, we read this. For they that sow to the wind shall reap the whirlwind. You plant the seeds of blowing out your own self-will and you'll finally collect the tornado of your own self-making. You keep planning, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to do it my way, and you're going to reap a tornado that you've made up for yourself that will bring destruction in your life. God has made us to live in a world that is governed by physical laws and God has made us and put us in a world that is governed by moral laws. And if you break those physical laws, you'll experience the consequence. I've said this before. Actually, you don't break physical laws. You jump out of a building. You don't break the law of gravity. You prove the law of gravity as you plummet to the earth. And when you break God's moral laws and you go against his will, those moral laws snap back at you. They bring about ruin and destruction. That's why God's Law is broad and expansive, but when you don't obey it, you become increasingly confined into places of judgment and enslavement. Here's another one. Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, along the same lines. Plant righteousness for yourself. 
Harvest the fruit of unfailing love. How would you like that? Plant righteousness. Harvest the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it's time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. There's what you can receive. You do what God wants. You obey Him. You yield to Him. You give your life to Him and surrender. You plant to your life. You break up the ground of your hardened heart and plant the seeds of a submission and surrender to Him. And you'll harvest unfailing love and He'll pour out upon that ground the showers of His own righteousness. That was what Israel had an option before them. But here's what Hosea says Israel did instead. But you've planted wickedness and you've reaped evil and you've eaten the fruit of deception because you depended on your own strength. I'm going to do it my way. I can, I can do it myself. Galatians 6, chapter 7 and 8 repeats this idea that Hosea introduces to us. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please his own flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, please God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. God has spoken. He's spoken promises and blessings and warnings about the nature of life and the consequences of obedience and disobedience. And God keeps His word. Thanks for listening in today to The Bread of Life. We're a program of the International Discipleship and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its associate mission church in Boise, Bread of Life Fellowship. This program looks to you for its support. We invite you to learn more about our work in the community and around the world by going to our website, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also find links to the radio broadcast and to full-length sermons. Until the next time, may God bless you.